Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Experiments Web Clinic Audio Replay Podcast. Marketing Experiments is an internet marketing research laboratory. The web clinic you are about to hear was broadcast live to an international audience of marketing professionals. Sign up to be invited to future web clinics, as well as gain access to all of our online marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. I want to welcome you to the Mech Labs Web Clinic. And indeed, uh, we are studying today hidden friction. Uh, in particular, six errors, six particular errors that uh, our headline expert, which was probably Paul Cheney, has called the silent killers of conversion. It's a frightening clinic. You may want to call your wife, your children. This could be important to your future. Uh, the six silent killers of conversion. I'll tell you this, though. These errors are those you probably wouldn't detect. And friction is probably something far more complex than you yet understand. And from running 10,000 plus experiments in the laboratory, we've been learning something quite fascinating. We're going to share that with you today. But let me kind of remind you where we're at as all of this unfolds. In the clinic we did previously, we spoke about optimizing to get the highest possible yield and that there were two inches at the beginning of a page and two inches at the end of a page that have a significant impact on your conversion rate. We ignored everything else. We talked about errors, common errors we commit in those first two inches and in those last two inches. And if you'll notice the uh, chart from Marketing Sherpa, one of our research companies, people in uh, a study that we did identified that headline copy was a major element with high impact on eventual conversion rates. I mentioned it to you because I'd like you to, I'd like you to understand that as important as they are, there's something vital that unfolds in the middle of the page. And since we spoke about the last two inches and the first two inches, we're going to address that middle area and in particular, one of the easiest ways for you to get a substantial gain. So bear with us. Look at a page. Before I start to teach, I need your expert advice. Look at this page, submitted, by the way, from someone here in the audience. We're going to help them before the day is over, but I'm asking you to consider yourself a marketing consultant hired on the spot for your brilliance. Use the Q&A feature that you see and tell me what you would do to improve the performance of this page just as it relates to friction. How would you reduce friction? And I'm going to see, Sally says, too many fields at the top of the page. Reduce the length of the form. Too many fields. Too many fields. Less fields. Reduce fields. Too many fields. Too busy. Reduce fields. Remove photo. Too many fields. Simplify, simplify, eliminate fields. You'll notice that friction and fields are closely associated in the mind of our audience and indeed in the mind of most marketers. Now, we've been doing this for a long time. After 10,000 plus experiments for the last 15 plus years, we have uh, had to think deeply about friction. We're perhaps, and I don't know this for certain because I haven't studied the etymology, but I think the word as it relates to optimization in particular, was coined in this research laboratory and it's spread all over the world and everyone uses it now. But as so often the case, we use it with a sort of one-dimensional understanding. Marketer, please, please pay attention uh, with me for this, the balance of these next few moments because as we move out of this page and we think about how to improve friction, I want to talk about the friction on the page that has nothing whatsoever to do with the number of fields or the length of the fields. And... I'm glad that you can spot that. I remember I was uh, having a, a meeting with someone, I can't tell you what company, one of the most famous brands in the world. And 10 years ago, 
they asked us to help with the performance of a particular page. Now, this isn't in my notes. It's not in the normal clinic presentation, but I'll just share it with you anyway. We smiled together because I said, do you remember how long your original download process was? Because we'd optimize it. We've been optimizing uh, their processes for the last eight years. They're vigorous research partners with a worldwide uh, known brand, and they've seen more than a thousand percent improvement over these years in conversion rates. And I was talking with a key leader, and we, were, we, we couldn't help but laugh as we remembered the first process they brought to us. It was 18 pages long. It took 18 pages to get to the download. Guess what? The download took three and a half hours. The world's changed. Every marketer knows that. Back then when we said, have you thought about shortening the process? I remember the response. It was like a blank stare. Uh, they were trying to be thorough. The process was developed by database programmers and by programmers who were concerned more about getting the data in the right place once it had been inputted. And no one had thought about the psychological resistance associated with the download process today. That's sort of laughable. All of you recognize that uh, shorter is better in most cases. When it, not necessarily with copy, but certainly with forms. I want to go past that. I'd like to go deeper. And I'd like to take you to an understanding of friction that would help you look at this page and identify elements that you might not even think were associated with friction. So uh, let's move on. Here's another page submitted by an audience. Take a look. We may come back to these pages. And I've got some experts here. Taylor is with me, and uh, Chris is with me. They're analysts, uh, analysts in our laboratory, and they'll be coming up at various points to help. But, uh, guys, you're probably spotting friction, and uh, keep that in your mind. While you're looking at that friction, though, I'm asking the audience, tell me, where do you see the friction on these three? So let me come over here and see. That's too much, says Ives. No eye path to follow, says Brian. The text is too dense, says Raj. And... Uh, Dustin says, I got on a bit late. Can you read, redefine friction, please? Dustin, that one, these are coming in like by the hundreds. Somehow you caught me. Uh, I will define friction. For those of you that might be new to the concept, if you were to take certification program from us, uh, you'd be tested on this definition. Friction is psychological resistance to some element in the process. Not to be confused with anxiety, which is psychological concern. Friction and anxiety must be treated in different ways. This page has both, but we're drilling down on friction. And it was submitted by Grant, and uh, Grant is in the audience today. And Grant, we want to help you. And if we, if we can help you on the call, we shall. If we don't get to it on the call, we'll be happy to talk with you and help you identify more. It's on the page, so we're going to look at it. But actually, before we tear it down, we're going to actually do some learning together. So keep this process in mind. I see the audience's point. Multiple things to click, says Richard. Too many images at work, says Maynard. You're still coming in. No headlines, says someone. Too busy and the layout is wrong, says Michael. Too much red, says Matt. Matt, you're right about the red. Red actually is a contributor to friction. We're going to learn about that just a little bit. So I want to help you understand that. But as always, I want to move from these examples directly to a case study. So let's look at this particular study. Test protocol 1546. Luxury home builder. They want to sell homes. They need to increase the number of leads. In this economy, selling homes is pretty tough, or at least it has been. So they had to get this right. This is a fairly recent test, and these were excellent partners, and, uh, and I'm very impressed with their marketing team. And they were aggressive about making some very brave changes in their site. So that's the background. Let's look at the page. Now, we have uh, obscured the brand. That's why you see the blue box on top up there. But I'd like you to see the request 
for more information. So, this is very classic. What you're looking at would be like any real estate site you saw where you're either looking at homes or even a rental. So often you'll see an image on the left, uh, tabs below with more information, some sort of response mechanism on the right. This is a, a something common. And as you look at this, I want you to ask yourself, well, where is the friction? This was the control. Let's continue. From the control, you would go to this next step. So step one, step two. And... Uh, the combination of these two pages enabled you to uh, inquire and, of course, it enabled the company to gather leads. Now, we had to improve that process. And so, let's look at it for just a moment. There's one, there's two, and here is the treatment. The treatment says request more information and in a sense it looks longer, doesn't it? Because you recall all they had to do in the control was click a button. But in this, in fact, look at them side by side. Now we're asking for more information, first name, last name, and email. But it's actually shorter, and it's shorter because we reduced it from a two-step process to a one-step process with a lot less form fields. Now, everybody in the audience can predict the outcome, I think. Just remember something. Testing is the only way you know for sure. And all we can offer here is the benefit of experience with some generalized principles. The rest is about testing properly. You've heard me say it over and over again, and I'll stress it again this for anyone that's new on this call, there are no expert marketers. There are only experienced marketers and expert testers. I don't like the word tester. It's an ugly <laughs> word. I'm looking at my, my team is all laughing at me. It's an ugly word, but I don't know of a better word. And English is so limited. You can't go to Greek for the word tester. Where are you going to get this word? So, so we'll stick with that ugly portable. By the way, we call quotes portables. A good quote is something with a handle that can be picked up and carried around in social media. Internally here, when we're thinking about what we're teaching with, we want to make certain that you have some portables that you can pick up, so to speak, with your mind, remember them, carry them with you. And, uh, and uh, so with that in mind, let's go forward and let's see. Here's the control. Here's the treatment. And uh, from there, let's look at the results. You can see them. 166% increase in leads. Now, I think when you see that, uh, there's a couple of points that should come to mind immediately. The first is, wow, just that, and you see 166% left? If you're thinking that way, it should occur to you that, you know, if I can learn about these six hidden forms of friction, I could see a dramatic increase with a sort of minor change. I mean, we didn't have to do a lot of customer research. We didn't have to posit a, a, a critical, complicated, multivariable test. We simply minimized friction. But on the other hand, if you're looking at that, you may miss something because the friction we just dealt with there is sort of the obvious kind of friction. We want to move from the obvious kind of friction to that hidden friction that we talk about in the title of this clinic. And to do that, I want to touch two or three principles and show you yet another case study. Friction does not occur on a page. It occurs in the mind of the prospect. I'm not even teaching yet. These aren't my six errors. you just got to understand this before I can go forward. We almost have to clear the ground here because a lot of us are confused. We think we're fixing friction on the page. That doesn't matter. Friction is a matter of perception. I've seen two form fields identical in the number. You might think of two pages, two forms, the identical number of fields. One gets way more response than the other. Does it have any less friction on the page? No. But it has a lot less friction in the mind because the layout makes it feel easier for you to, to assimilate and 
seems simple. So, keeping all of that in mind, let's go to the next. Friction is more complex than simple issues of page length, form amount, or the number of steps. I've talked about that. We're going to learn more. Finally, most friction goes undetected, hence the need for this particular clinic. Thinking about that, let's go to another case study. So, here we are. Um, this is test protocol 1297. A survey company seeking consumer opinions in exchange for a chance to win a trip on an exotic or to an exotic location. The goal is to increase the number of applications. That's a simple, clean KPI we can measure against. So the research question, which always should begin with a WHICH sort of which, that is when you're doing a single factorial or a multifactorial, and, and I know what you're thinking, Paul. That's why I had to spell which for you. Uh, I... <laughs> If you don't know, I'm in the studio, and, and it's really a, this uh, fancy green room. It's ugly. Green is ugly. It's, I'm, I'm surrounded by green. <laughs> and, uh, and, and if I look away from the green, I have to look at Paul Chinney. And, and as you know, he, he recently clobbered me in a headline test. I don't like to look in his direction because he still appears smug. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's go on to the test. So this is the background, and, uh, and you'll see the control. There was their logo. This is the page. The Apply Now button. It's fairly simple. Let's continue. This is, uh, this is, again, a treatment designed to beat the control. Now, let's put them side by side. You'll see control and treatment. I want you to notice some important points. We didn't reduce the number of form fields. They're the same. We didn't reduce the number of steps. They're the same. Form fields and steps are the same, but we did reduce friction. And they saw a 19.6% increase. So the question becomes, what did you do? Where was the hidden friction? What did you see on that page that you changed? Yes, I understand changing a headline might get a result, or I understand that uh, strengthening the value proposition might get a result, but, but what did you do on that page to reduce friction? And that leads us to the whole point of this clinic. We need to learn these six forms of hidden friction. To do that, I want to take you to a simple heuristic. Uh, and so I, by the way, uh, there, there's a cool slide coming up that I really don't want to teach yet, but you're going to see some important pieces here. Look at that discordant colors and distorted eye path word. That's going to come up again and be more important. For now, look at this heuristic. Friction is a matter of length and difficulty. This is a heuristic from our laboratory. You don't need to memorize it. You won't be tested on it at the end of the day. But it does lead to some interesting conclusions that in the difficulty component, there are a number of forms of hidden friction. So these, these six types of hidden friction are locked into that DT that you see on the screen, that, that variable, that element. And uh, let's start to learn them. Here's the first a distorted eye path. So, if you look up to the screen, you'll see an example of, uh, not this, an example of a page executed poorly. This has two evenly weighted columns, which almost always hurts conversion. It is a friction piece. It causes psychological resistance because it's difficult for the person to absorb the page. And so they have a reticence, a hesitancy to invest themselves in trying to make meaning out of the page. And so, not this, but this. Now, I want you to know something. This is a long page. The page we went to 
doesn't look like an optimized page, but it's a page for contractors to make decisions about that particular product. It needs to have all that content, and it certainly helped them get a result. In fact, if you look at the result, the second page outperformed the first page by 47%. And so the difference wasn't reducing the content. The difference wasn't even about length at all. The difference was in the iPad and addressing the distortion. So I have that in front of me. And I will show you another example. Not this. Great page. Critical elements. Helpful when you think about it. But uh, still not linear. Unfolding with the thought sequence. If you've been in any of my previous lectures, I've said to you before, we control the chronology of the mind with the geography of the page. So when you look at this particular uh, version, you'll see that we're using a linear geography so that we can achieve a sort of linear chronology. That means we control what you think about in first, second, and third order. And we organize the iPad to support the objectives to help you get to where you need to go. So not this, but this. That brings me to uh, the result. Look at this page on the left. This was actually the treatment designed to make some changes and validate our theory. And the treatment produces a negative 53% in conversion. By the way, I like representing it as a negative 53 instead of flipping it, showing you the one as a control and a positive 54. Do you know why? Because many, many times a negative lift can result in a positive learning. The goal of a test is to get a learning, not a lift. And that learning helped us take this site and grow it exponentially. In fact, it grew from about 5000 a month in revenue at its launch to by the third month, and I'm guessing, please, it's a long time ago, and I don't know exactly, but around 150, 160000 a month. And that little site had an offer for 8 to $10 million by the end of the year based on its dramatic growth. And all that you need to know when you look at it is that that negative lift was meaningful. That's not a failure. That's success. And it's intentional. Don't get caught in this mindset that every test must produce a lift or you're never going to learn enough about your customer to get the maximum lift. Let me go on. Because uh, someone in the audience has submitted a page for us. You can see the page. And uh, this came from uh, Lauren. Audience, thinking about distorted iPad, show me the friction. Let's help Lauren Taylor, in just a moment, is going to step up and help me, one of our analysts. But uh, while Taylor's preparing to do that, I'm looking at what you're submitting. So I have uh, four equal columns, says Dave. Dave, you get a gold star in your chart. Yes, you are correct. And, uh, and uh, somebody else says Woot. I don't know what Woot means. It's W-O-O-T, but I'll assume that was profound. No gold star, but we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Karen says, don't know where to travel. She's right. Uh, uh, and someone says, uh, no color differentiation, Anne. And someone says, after the headline, I have no idea where to look. She's right. Um, Gregory sends a contemplative comment in the form of, hmm. It's an H with lots of M's. I don't know if that's uh, an attempt to be more intelligent or if it's a, a, a pronouncement of confusion. But uh, it does make you go, hmm, what do I do here? And I think that's your point. I'm left as the site visitor, to try and make meaning. Make it easier for me to do so. With that, I'm going to ask Taylor to come up. 
Taylor's worked on a lot of serious projects working on this. He's standing right next to me. He's 11 years old. But sort, of a, sort, of, sort of a child prodigy. I'm sorry to do that to you, Taylor. Um, thank you. Thank you, Dr. McLaughlin. Um, my name is Taylor Kennedy, and I'm a research manager here at Mech Labs, and uh, I participated on the previous case study that we were talking about. Yes. So now looking at this page right off the bat, everyone has seems to be able to pick up on some of the things here. We're seeing a Discord and iPath with multiple um, columns here that are being equally weighted. Um, in addition, we're also seeing um, calls to action that don't necessarily contribute to the page's overall goal. Um, also here, looking here, we, they try to use coloration to um, distinguish the iPath a little more, but once again, after the headline, it all becomes a little more difficult to do. All other points, Taylor. Um, Anything else? That's it. Okay, thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Short, sweet, and right to the point. Um, listen, wh while Taylor's pointing out something that I think all of you might want to learn from, it's a key transferable principle. You have evenly weighted columns. Now, you do have a light blue on the free checking, but that actually doesn't weight it. That lightens it. And the button itself is the same button. You need to intensify one of these options and make it easier for them to choose. And if at all possible, I would segment the audience and try not to make them choose from four options if you could isolate them in the channel, drive them to a, to a landing page that already was designed with specificity in mind. Specificity converts. If it's the right page to the right person, you're going to get a higher conversion rate. So uh, if you had to do these four columns, A, I'd make them feel more like a chart. I don't mean like a table, like a chart. So it's less text to process and easier for you to pick out the differences. And then I would try to reduce from four to three, and if I could, from three to two. And if I can't do that, I would at least make one of them the dominant option. I showed a case study not long ago, it might have been the last clinic or the one before, with a chart just like this. And we weighted that chart. Is it coming up, Paul? Paul says we've got one coming up, so we'll show you uh, an example of what I'm talking about and how we did that with someone else. So keep it in mind, and let's move to the second piece of hidden friction. Let me look at my time. Time is running out. I've got to pack every minute with information. And, uh, and we're going to look at more of your pages live, just like we've done. And we're also going to learn five more. Here's the second one, divergent objectives. This is one that actually I have a little bit of passion about because I see this problem everywhere I go. So many of our pages are designed by committee. They're a compromise. There's no, there's no science dynamic driving the change. It's a social dynamic. The most influential person at the table typically has a disproportionate influence on the design of the page. And you end up with a distorted or a kind of divergent set of objectives. Some of our home pages are like turf wars with people buying for real estate. Someone said a, a camel is a horse put together by a committee. A lot of our web pages are camels. Now, let's look at this page, and I certainly hope the man in the black box isn't looking, because I do not get that at all, and I certainly don't want him on this web clinic, because I certainly won't want to hurt his feelings. I'm hoping it's a piece of meaningless clip art, and uh, uh, because what is this about? Can, you, can your CRM tell you all this? And it shows a shiny bald head. Now, I happen to have empathy for men with shiny bald heads, but I don't think I'd want to stick my... In fact, just like half a head there. Like, all the emphasis is on that. And uh, it's, it's sort of a humorous image. I think it actually does cause friction. It's an image that's almost painful to look at, which is a form of friction, not the one I'm supposed to teach. And uh, Chris is over there about to throw something at me. But underneath uh, that, you'll see something else. Compare this page with the next page. 
And as you do, there's one capital difference. Audience, tell me right now what the difference is. I'm watching to see who gets it first. Johnny is looking the wrong way. That's right. Oh, so I just put it in, and so did Derek. Three to one. There's one call to action on the second version as opposed to three calls to action. So we've gotten tighter in our objectives. Does that make a difference? Well, sure it does. We ran a test. Here's what we discovered. A 78% increase in conversion. Just look at the difference. Now, if you were to tighten up here, you'd see where it says free trial and you'd see where it says schedule demo and it says contact me. I would imagine that all three of those are designed eventually to lead to a sale. But we see a 78% increase, which all connects with a sale. All of those in a free trial when we simplify the objectives. I want to move on, but I want to tell you how pages like this get built. They get built because the page has a history where they develop, for instance, a, a flash presentation and they have a free trial offer and they have a critical explanation of some key components or a, a legacy where they use the contact now or some person in sales that says we ought to do X or Y. And so the page has company logic, but not customer logic. So beware. Beware of of thinking through company logic, of seeing through the company's eyes and doing what makes sense to the company, but what does not make sense to the customer. Customer logic trumps company logic every single day. And you've got to think differently if you're going to optimize. So, let's move on. Uh, not this. Not happening on this page, but this. Can you see the difference in the page? Simplification. Clear objectives. What does it produce? A 357% increase. I want you to notice the words underneath. They're small, but they're big in monthly clients. How many of you on the call right now would like to see a 357% increase in monthly clients? Why? What's happening? What's going on here? Well, let's back up for a moment. We're making it so much easier for you to make a decision. We're not leaving it for you to determine what your eyes are going to see first, second, and third. We don't have multiple boxes or multiple voices speaking all at the same time. Listen, marketers, you have one voice, not many voices. The marketer might speak many languages. You say, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you might take your message and contextualize it into the language of one prospect type. And, and then change the language a bit to speak to another prospect type. And then change the language again to speak to yet another prospect type. But you can only do it with one voice. When your voice changes, when you have more than one voice, you lose credibility. And not only that, but just the clarity evaporates. So, you may speak many languages, but you may use only one voice. And that's what happens on this page. And the outcome is pretty... Staggering. 357%. Let's keep going. Before I go any further, I want to pause. I'm trying to move. I've got three more of these to teach. I'm gauging my time. I'm gauging my pace. Uh, speak to me. Is this helping you? Are you learning? Is this the right speed? I'm watching the Q&A to get your feedback. Yes, 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 yes. Keep going. Keep going. I'm, I'm watching to look for negatives. Okay. People seem to be pleased. We really are paying attention so we can adjust in real time. If we're all in the same room and I was lecturing to you and I could see your faces, I'd know what to do, but your feedback like this is invaluable. Let's keep going. So, here is hidden friction. I think this is submitted by uh, Marley. 
And she says, the page I'm, I'm reading is in the process of redesign and she wants to hear comments about this one. She says, oh, God bless you, Marley. I will not take any of it personally since I did not write them or lay them out. Congratulations. She said this just right. Gives us the freedom to be really honest. Audience, helper, we're looking for friction. You can see the background information on the side of the page. And let me see your input. Too many calls to action, says uh, Faris. Uh, not sure which offer is important. And you're absolutely right. No focus, uh, says Taylor. Not the same Taylor. You're not like over here entering. Uh, <laughs> he's trying to confuse his friend who's getting ready to get up. Chris, who's an analyst also. Um, Three buttons. Can't find the call to action. The form is on different pages. Too many headlines. I'm seeing a lot of critical pieces. With that in mind, I'm going to pull up Chris. Chris is an analyst with our group, and uh, he's going to give us some insight as to what he might do to make that page work better. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. McLaughlin. Uh, immediately when I look at the page, I can see a number of uh, divergent objectives like we were talking about in previous examples. So uh, immediately I'm drawn, my eye path is uh, drawn to this, this large banner up here. So there's a call to action in that banner, as well as a call to action over here in the side right-hand column, and then another call to action down here at the bottom. So I'm confused as to where should I go on the page. My iPath is going uh, numerous places on the page. Really, uh, the main thing that I would do here is just consolidate objectives into a single uh, objective, which would ideally be the clicker to the next page. So Excellent. Excellent. So we're looking at friction, but the friction's not being generated by a length issue. It's being generated by these competing options. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you, man. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's keep going then. So, audience, um, we're talking about too many objectives on the page. By the way, you might wonder, well, can I ever have more than one? Yes, but they shouldn't be equal. You might have a 70-30 split in terms of impact and attention and eye path. But the minute you start moving above 30%, you're really hurting the conversion rate on the main piece. The more objectives you try to achieve on the same page, the lower you're going to see for conversion all the way around. All right, let's keep going. I see error number three, a dissonant tone. Yes, this is another form of friction, and it's a deadly form of friction. So let's look at it quickly. Here you'll see uh, uh, an example from our work with the New York Times. And uh, notice, notice the difference in tone between this and this. It's different in the sense that it's a letter, it's excised of some of the more sales-sounding language, and, uh, and, uh, and it produces an 88% increase in results. That's substantial. And let's go back. Look how similar the pages are. But it makes a huge difference. All right? So let's, uh, let's look at an example submitted to us by Ty. So... This is a page uh, sent. I'm glad that we're looking at this page. It's quite different than all the others. Very graphic, intensive audience. What would you do with this page? We have, Ty, we have like a, a focus group with some of the world's most experienced marketers. Well, there's hundreds and hundreds on the phone. I don't know how many. We can only do a thousand at a time. Typically, we register far more than that. And then whatever that number is that's able to get on or attend is our eventual number. So there are a lot on. And uh, they're telling me right now what they would do. Uh, it says, I would buy a G3... A G37. I don't know, Dave, what that means. Call to action is all but hidden, says Derek. What do they want me to do, says John. Button is too transparent, says Ben. I actually like it, says Ives. Good. It's all right to like one of these pages. It's an attractive page. We'll look more at the friction in just a moment. The eye goes to the car picture, says Mark. Can't see the call to action, says Max. Interesting. What's the point of the page, says Mary. Good point. 
and uh, I missed the button, or I missed the button completely. I think you have a typo there, Maureen. <laughs> All right, so uh, I got ty- uh, ty- uh, Taylor coming up. Taylor, help me uh, look at this page. Tell me where you see hidden friction on this page. All right, great. So looking at this page, uh, where we're going to start is the headline, uh, and more specifically the tone of the headline. Um, and what it doesn't actually say about the car. So looking at the, the headline, what we're really seeing is a headline that attempts to be catchy and provocative without actually giving you any sort of information about the car itself. Um, also, very good point about the CTA being very difficult to detect. So um, really, in, in my opinion, what you'd want to test here is something that says something about the actual car, maybe something about outstanding amenities, outstanding performance features, things like that. Um, that would actually give you, uh, you know, a sense about what the car is actually about versus trying to create an experience out of just a headline. Excellent. Excellent. May I say this to those of you in, with an agency background who are used to needing to build sites like this that have a lot of imagery and a, a sort of glitz. Uh, Plato said that there were three factors that impact this uh, kind of decision or persuasion process. And uh, the he likened it to a chariot with two horses and the the white horse was this uh, part of you that has strong, uh, it's your spirit and it's full of, uh, uh, it's emotional and it connects. And the dark horse, uh, he likened to the emotional uh, center, the desire center, actually more desire than emotion. He would have put emotion with the white horse and desire with the dark horse. But he said the charioteer is the other and that's the logisticon if you were to take it directly from the Greek. And that's the, that's the part of you that chooses, that's the rational part. Logisticon comes from the Greek word logos, which has to do with reason. And, and he would say to you that the, the dominant piece occurs when you appeal to reason, supported by those other two horses, and very careful how we use them, and very careful, in his case, to keep the dark horse, that's raw desire, from overcoming everything else. Why am I talking about Plato? Feel free to hang up on me now and make room for other marketers <laughs> that are trying to get on here. I, I'm saying it to you because, marketers, we need to think deeply. We need to reflect uh, the marketer in the organization is uh, the person who should be asking the most profound why questions. We need to ground the, the action of sales in the contemplation of marketing. And candidly, it cashes in in a very direct way in situations like this. It's all right to appeal to emotion and desire. But if you don't do that through the reason faculty, it becomes very difficult for you to predict outcome or measure it. So the problem with a page like this is it has that look and feel and there may be something that it evokes, but it does very little to demonstrate the value proposition of the automobile. So I am left to make meaning on my own. And that's not good for the marketer. And that's not good for the organization. So, so, so marketing is both art and science. Despite uh, my background in philosophy and our work in science, uh, I'm not suggesting that the science replace the art. It takes both. But I am suggesting that you need to discipline the art to the extent that you must appeal to the emotion and the desires through the reason and a properly articulated value proposition will take an ad like this and make it worth far more. We did an experiment with car and driver. It's not in my notes. We wanted more people to engage with ads just like this in car and driver because it was about ad revenue. A simple shift in the wording produced a 74% increase. So think about how to appeal to those other components. And those of you who are philosophers, please forgive me for oversimplifying a highly complex series of Greek concepts. I feel 
I feel like my friends from Cambridge will send me uh, three emails uh, because I, I know that, I, 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 that it's a little bit more complex than my quick explanation. But we shall move on. All right, so that brings me to the fourth point, distracting multimedia. Distracting multimedia. So, so take a look at this fourth component because it's everywhere. It's like a plague on the net. Um, here's an example. Not this. And, and, uh, but this. Look at the difference. The first ad is relying on video to communicate a primary message, particularly the value proposition. In a sense, the offer is being articulated through that interesting video. It's a, it's, it is an interesting video. Small company, but it actually shows the product in action. Making snow. For those of you that are tired of spring break, you can buy this product and make snow. But the difference between that and this, and by the way, I don't like the one on the right. And by the way, you might be saying, but aren't those three evenly weighted calls to action? Well, it's an e-commerce site showing three different versions of a product and you're selecting the same product. Um, could you make its page better? Yes. We didn't design this page. This was designed by a student who attended an event, went back and took his page and corrected it to this page. And what happened? A 93% increase in conversion. Yet again, the big factor here is a sort of hidden kind of friction. It's the psychological resistance that was associated with having to watch that video. Some people were in a hurry. Some people couldn't play it in their cubicle at work. Some people uh, didn't see its significance and missed it. And they're looking for a more reason. So they move on. In cases where people experience psychological resistance, there is one essential way they make it stop. Have you ever heard an annoying sound? You, want to, you just want to turn it off as fast as you can. We turn off the annoying sounds of marketing with a green arrow at the top of the page. One click. I'm holding. Some of you can't see me. I think at some point we're going to be broadcasting these clinics live. Let us know if you find that interesting. But either way, you can watch the video afterwards and, and, and you'll see me. And when you do, you'll notice I'm tall, maybe 6'6", six, six, uh, thick, thick hair. Um, <laughs> uh, that's my body double. Uh, Chris, however, I, we might use Chris for body double. He's kind of this, he looks like an all-American football player. Um, anyway, I have in my hand the bane of marketing. And if you can't see it, I'll tell you what it is. It's the clicker. I'm using it to control this presentation. With one click, I can change that slide. And with one click, somebody else, your prospect can terminate your existence in their life forever. You can't afford psychological resistance. You can't afford confusion. They are not patient. They will not work very hard to make meaning unless they're highly motivated. Some of us, that's the only ones we're getting. Because it's too hard. And you need to be careful. Let's keep going. So here's something submitted. I may move rapidly through this. Let me see my time. I think we're going to be all right. So, uh, marketers of the world, take a look at this. Parkhurst Asset Corp. Submitted by John. And uh, Chris, stand by. I'm going to pull you up, but not yet. Uh, I want to hear your thinking about this particular piece. All right. Wow. Someone says, I still can't find the call to action. That's a flash banner at the top. Is that the click you needed? All right. And, uh, and the button is too small. And what am I supposed to do, says David? And uh, what is the, that gray button for on the bottom right? And does... Uh, doesn't do it for me, says someone. Do you need uh, to click on all four tabs below the banner, says Scott? What is the headline about? Somebody says the headline is unclear. That's Raj. Uh, could be an ad for glasses, says Joan. 
Boy, that's a good observation, Joan. Isn't that what it looks like? It looks like an optometrist ad there for just a moment. All right? So think for a moment. And I'd like to teach you on headlines. And John, I can't right now. But if we were teaching headlines, we would be really concerned about that particular choice because we don't know what that performance history is about. And that means something to you in the financial space. But how many of the people visiting in your site will know precisely what that's referencing and in its own right, even if they know, it doesn't provide enough content to drive them into the core content beneath. The goal of the headline is to get them into conversation. And as you've heard me say over and over again, the headline is just a pickup line. It's the same thing you use to meet someone. It's vital. It opens the conversation. If it's wrong, you don't get the conversation, guys. And, uh, and in marketing, same thing. So uh, those, are, those are interesting points that you've brought up. But I need... Uh, Chris, and I hope I haven't said all your stuff, Chris. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I think I can come up with something here on the fly. Now, now you can't see Chris, but Chris is much shorter than me, and he's bald, and I feel bad for him. <laughs> all right, go ahead, Chris. All right, well, thank you, Dr. McLaughlin. Uh, just like you were saying here, this uh, very large piece of multimedia banner here at the top here is just extremely uh, extremely um, distracting right when I get onto the page. Now, I understand what they were trying to do here. They were trying to call some tangible uh, benefits right to the top of their uh, right into the top of their headline there by stating some of their uh, you know 10-year performance history, but it's very large on the page. Immediately, some test ideas that jump into my mind are you know uh, minimizing that, uh, test eliminating it entirely, um, you know ca calling less emphasis to it, and driving more towards the call to action that I still haven't yet defined on this page. Okay, so in a sense, everything is a moot point because at the beginning of every page in the first two inches really the first four we need to answer three questions you remember what they are Chris? Mm -hmm. what's the first one? Uh, where am I? where am I? <laughs> what can I do here? what can I do here? why should I do it? why should I do it? now let's look we're not sure where we are the brand has got banner blindness because <laughs> it's way up above those big images of faces which drive you and by the way I would test the faces, and I hope they're not employees. They don't look like employees. They look <laughs> like Photoshop clip art that you can buy somewhere. Mm -hmm. I would really test those faces because we found changing a face can have a huge impact on conversion rate. And I think that I have psychological resistance to the look on the face. I mean, <laughs> I'm not talking about their physical attractiveness. It's like, what, what are they? What, what, so they look disturbed. She's happy, and he's uh, confused. He's something like, so. he feels like I feel when I'm looking at the face. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but where am I at is not clear. What can I do here is not clear at all. Mm -hmm. Now, let me tell you something. As important as it is to talk about the value proposition, as important as the concept is, and though we hammer it probably in every single web clinic, why doesn't matter before you know what? If I don't know what to do, I don't give a flip about why I should do it. I don't connect with that second part. So the why would matter greatly if I knew the what. But on this page, I don't know the what, so I can't even get to the why. Absolutely. Well done, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm going to ask you, you've heard Chris and you've heard Taylor. And I need to run an A-B split test right now. Just use your Q&A feature to vote for the most eloquent. No, you don't really need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they're, they're dying over here. Meanwhile, I've got, I've got Paul Chinney holding up a little white sign telling me. What are you telling me, Paul? I didn't see it. Ten more minutes. Okay. Paul said I have another hour. Just one more hour. Uh, no, I've got ten minutes and we've got more. So let's move into the next one. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Discord and colors. Hidden friction number five. Look at this one. See this problem all the time as well. 
Not this. Remember this uh, opening case study? But this. What's one of the big differences here? A change in the discordant colors. And, uh, and it can impact you over and over again. And as we saw, it produced a 19.6% increase. Let's look at this particular page that was submitted to us by uh, TSO Mobile. And it's interesting when you think about discordant colors. It's interesting when you think about distorted eye path. It's, I mean, uh, what do we got here, guys? We got a problem with objectives. Audience, help us. Tell us what you do to make this better. Too many colors. Is it a home page or a landing page? Too many colors. Karen McRae says graciously, blow it up. <laughs> uh, too many options, says Sally. Start over, says Jacob. Equal section, says someone else. Uh, why black and white, says Anne. Make the eye path linear. You're right, Nicole. Give more weight to the options, says Stephanie. Uh, kid colors. That's an interesting concept. They're primary colors. Well, they're sort of primary colors. It looks like three of them are primary. Uh, need a message hierarchy. Yes, they do. Uh, all right, we're getting lots of good insights. I'm going to stop for just a moment. And I'm going to ask Taylor to come up. Taylor, uh, talk to us about this page and uh, tell me what you do to make it better. Well, hey, everyone, once again, this is the last time you'll have to hear from me today. <laughs> so hopefully that's a good thing. So looking at this page here, it almost looks like they're using colors just for the sake of using colors um, to describe these different business groups that are part of uh, TSO Mobile here. Um, so really what you need to remember on the page is that you want to use color sparingly. You need to use color to draw attention to specific components of the page. Um, for example, uh, if you're looking to generate leads, maybe using coloration for a form field um, component might uh, aid conversion. Also, using coloration for calls to action and other uh, items like that. So once again, you want to use colors sparingly. You just don't want to throw colors all over the page, especially um, when it's just denoting different service groups and especially when they're all equally weighted, as is the case here. Excellent. Excellent point. Thank you, Taylor. Thank now, you. Audience, this isn't in my plan. I've got a sixth point. I want to warn you. In fact, I want to promise you that we're going to take the next nine to ten minutes. We're going to pack them with uh, the sixth point and as much information as I can to help you. But can we just stop? This isn't in the plan. Let's take one minute and think about all the forms of friction we see on this page. Let's use this as a learning example. You'll say, well, that doesn't look like my page, but the principles are transferable. So let's identify them. Uh, first of all, let's just kind of redesign the page. We've got friction right at the top because we have a giant graphic that we can't tell what it means. Is that... Uh, a car light? Is that the trail of a comet? Is that, um, is that a cutout? I, I don't know what it is. I, I'm even seeing. So my mind is confused and there is no headline. Track, manage, and connect means nothing to me if I don't know what it connects to. There is no context. So if friction is a form of psychological resistance, I've got resistance right now because I can't tell what the page is saying or wants me to do. There's no grid. There's no setup. There's no thought track being laid for what comes next. I need a headline. I need a subheader. I need to lose the dark image with no meaning. Then from there, we need to flow with an eye path using, again, geography to control chronology. And so now I have two evenly weighted columns. In addition to that, I have four calls to action. So now we've got a different issue. And, uh, and then on top of that, uh, I, I don't know if there is an order here. Does this flow? Because that yellow is track, and then I see a yellow, and then I see green manage, and then I see three connect, but I don't see a four, which is red. So I don't know if there's a connection between the colors 
on these little tabs and the colors in the top. I can't get vertical flow. I can't get meaning. I, there's all kinds of friction on this page. We could keep going. But I'd like you to think that if you were trying to fix this page, the first question I would ask, I'd sit down with my team. And Juan, I don't mean to be hard. I want to help you. I have nothing but empathy for marketers who are trapped in these environments where they're being hammered with deadlines, underappreciated, having to fight sales many times. Sometimes when budgets are cut, in fact, our studies show when budgets are cut, some of the first places to go, it's at the marketing level. It's their budgets. It's even their personnel. So I'm on, I'm on the side of the marketers that submit these pages and I have great empathy for you. But one, I would sit down and say, what is the objective of this page? Absolutely, what do I want to achieve? What is my KPI? And then I would line everything up vertically behind that. I would shorten the messaging on the home page, simplify the way to get to that objective and get as many people. It might be to get them the right section. If so, I'd talk to them. There's no conversation here. If I were to walk up to any one of you marketers and speak to you in bullet points, just firing bullets at you, would I connect, have a conversation, have context, have understanding? Absolutely not. Who buys a novel? Who reads a report that's straight bullets? No one. I need conversation. So you need a paragraph that says, welcome to TS Mobile. You can, you know, if, let's suppose your objective was to get them to the right place. There are four different areas on our site that can serve you. If you're looking for X, click here. If you're trying to achieve Y, click here. And with that kind of language and a simple paragraph and blue underlying techniques near the top, complemented by a headline and a subheadline, I could get people to the place they need to go. If the goal is deeper, like uh, uh, to win a lead, why then, wow, I'd get that form right on this page and I'd line everything up behind it. Think about all that. We can talk more later. And, and Juan, if you, if you redesign this page, send it to us and we'll comment on it just uh, to, to do our best to help you. Okay. Five minutes, audience. Let's go to the sixth. Let's take the five minutes and invest them with the sixth piece. Disorganized content. Now, that last page could learn from this point as well. But let's go straight to an example. Not this. <laughs> Keep watching because that is one page. Yep. Not this. But this. And you'll see the difference. And uh, not this. Oh, this is interesting. Remember the bank at the beginning and I said we'd show you a chart and, uh, and an increase? Here is, here is the best. Not this, but this. Now, I want you to see how we made the... We changed it from a data set to a chart. From a table to a chart. With much less content carefully organized to make it easier for you to see. And then notice how we weighted one of those particular options so that you didn't get trapped, unable to make meaning out of the page. Disorganized content slows down the velocity of the transaction momentum. Velocity is the marketer's friend. They should move faster and faster through the sales journey. And if you slow them down, uh, making them to try and process and make decisions, sometimes even go and research before they make the decisions, or hunt around the page for the information they need to make the right decision, or click too many times to get to the right decisions, you are jeopardizing your transaction by slowing down the forward momentum. Velocity is critical. Friction obviously impairs velocity. So let's go on. I have another example um, submitted by uh, someone in the audience. We have... Four minutes. 
We're just going to do this. Uh, I'm going to have the audience quickly talk to me. Tell me real fast what you would do on the basis of everything we've said. All six principles. How would you make this better? Too many choices, says Karen. Whoa, says Dina. All right. The call to action, says Daniel. Uh, Draw out the call to action, says Stephanie. Uh, The dark background's a problem, many of you say. And you're right. A better iPad, yes. Uh, We don't need the video, says someone else. Uh, Again, kill the black background. Uh, Scott says, move the social buttons below the call to action. Um, Another one says, eyes go to the right, but the call to action is the left. Those are all good points. Uh, And we're such such short on time, Chris. I think we're just going to... To, to, to wrap this piece up as quickly as possible by just helping you get a sense. Basically, it's like I have two pages crammed into one. I have the left side talking and I have the right side talking. The problem is the left side is saying something and the right side is showing something. So my eyes go to the right side, which means I can't hear. Think of the word here in quotes. I can't hear what's being said on the left side. The page has no eye path it forces me to move in circles to try and capture meaning. Oh, we could improve the button. We could improve the headline. There is no headline. We could improve the paragraph. It's too long with no bold font. It's white on black. It makes it difficult to read. We could improve the graphic, the image. This one is different. I don't even know what that long, narrow strain is, but it's in the way of the, of the transaction. We can improve all of that. But at the bottom line, at the bottom line, we don't have a linear flow, so it's so hard to make meaning of the page. The good news is, for anybody that we've talked to this way in this clinic, that means there's an enormous amount of upside waiting for you to capture with the opportunities. I have lots of people trying to get my attention. I uh, have in front of you a slide that summarizes everything. This will be released in a video, so soon you'll be able to, uh, to, to watch the video again, see the slides see our team talking and and participate. But I have been told to show you this. So if you're interested, look at this case study. We talked about this before, North American Spine. We worked with, uh, with Tim and ROI Revolution, an agency on their paid search campaign for this group. They're a solid agency producing a lot of gains for their clients. We've certified and trained and taught everyone there. And they brought us this challenge. We looked at a version of it and then you came along and helped us design a treatment. The audience did. In the next clinic, we're going to look at the treatment you designed. We're going to show you what happened in the test and let you learn from that regarding your paid search campaigns. It's fascinating to me because it was a test created by you on our clinics and now we're going to share the results with you. There's a lot more to this, which I don't think I have time to go into, guys, but as you can see if you're watching... uh, There's an interesting experiment unfolding and we're going to tell you a lot more about it. In the meantime, you can tune in here to learn more. So I want to thank you for your participation today. I hope that you found this useful. We don't charge for these clinics. They're packed with research. There's 15 plus million dollars in research on the Marketing Experiments website that you can access for free. There's just one thing we really ask you for. And I mean this. We really are. I'm asking you. Tell a friend. I want to build a community worldwide that's thinking about testing, that's thinking deeper, that's reflecting, that's approaching marketing, asking those profound why questions that produce the most significant results. We'll be back soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments Live Web Clinic. 
You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics, as well as receive access to $10 million worth of internet marketing research at marketing